It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. I didn't read the notes and didn't realize I was going to be on camera, so I very quickly got myself together. <laughs> Consequence Podcast Network. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with It's the Interview Series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks as always for making your way here and checking out the uh, series. I hope you enjoyed the episode enough to hit the subscribe button. I put out uh, three brand new interviews every single week. A new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists. Discover some new ones at Spotify and Apple Podcasts. At NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from, you can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Uh, recent episodes, recent guests I've had on here include uh, Emily Kenny. Uh, we had uh, actress Elizabeth Perkins on to talk about the second season of Minx. Uh, Ellie Kemper from The Office and the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt dropped by to talk about her new Netflix movie called Happiness for Beginners. Uh, Dylan Arnold dropped in. Uh, he plays Frank Oppenheimer in the summer blockbuster Oppenheimer. Uh, we also got to talk to the cast of Minx. Keanu Reeves with his band Dogstar. Bruno Major was here. Janelle Monet. Greta Van Fleet, Pearl Jam, Lucinda Williams. Those are just a few of the guests we've recently had on the uh, Kyle Meredith with podcast. That's me, Kyle Meredith. Today, I get to revisit with Bethany Cosentino. It's been a, a, a bit since she's been on here, but uh, she's been on here quite a lot, actually. In fact, we were talking about maybe just about every album Best Coast had done. Uh, we had her on the show to talk about it. So it's always great having her back, especially this time, because it's not about Best Coast. Uh, Best Coast is on an indefinite hiatus, and Bethany has her very first solo album. It's fantastic. It's called Natural Disaster. Uh, we're going to talk about it. She's going to be uh, telling us uh, why and how she kept uh, the album under wraps as a secret for the past few years and why it was actually time to put her band on indefinite hiatus. Uh, she'll tell us about finding her voice and musical direction and writing what really amounts to an album about self-discovery instead of the lyrics that maybe uh, we're used to hearing uh, from her about uh, relationships. Uh, she's also going to discuss how she leaned into the sound of 90s heroes like Counting Crows and Sheryl Crow, R.E.M. and Liz Fair, and having Paramore's Haley Williams and Garbage's Shirley Manson offer encouragement and guidance. All that and more, let's do this. We're talking natural disaster. It's Kyle Meredith with Bethany Cosentino. Hi, how are you? So here we are. You're solo these days. Of course, everybody we, we used to know you as part of Best Coast, but this is different. Uh, I, I do. I just want to throw out the congratulations because what a fantastic first statement that you've made. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. It's like, 
you know, I've been working on this record. I started really working on this record in 2021. So it's been quite a long time and it's very wild to me that it's finally here. Yeah, especially to have to sit on, like not just to sit on an album, because I know you've had to do that before, you know, whatever, the machine, but to sit on something that's such a statement. Is that a fair way to say it? To sit on a secret, really, because I didn't tell, I, I was very intentional about keeping this record under wraps until it was time to, you know, announce it and sort of get ready to dive into the album cycle. I really wanted to allow myself the opportunity to kind of just be invisible and make a record without any external pressure and it, it obviously like you know people know me as Bethany from Best Coast but nobody really knew me as nobody knows me as Bethany Cosentino on her own so it was almost like getting to be a brand new artist again just going into the studio and like making just figuring out who I was and what my sound was going to be and what I wanted to say and I'm so glad that I did it that way. But yeah, as time went on, I was like, oh my God, I, I can't keep this secret one day longer. And so now that it's like finally here, I'm like, oh my God, okay, we did it. <laughs> it's interesting. I've heard you say that, you know, before, if it's another interview or the press release or whatever, but but you talk about how, you know, you feel like your image was so wrapped up in Best Coast and here we get to know you. Maybe it's my perception, but I see you as this icon of especially oh this last- decade <laughs> and I mean I mean for me the way you know it's like yes I love Best Coast I, I love the, the music that you've made of Best Coast uh and and I obviously love what you're doing right now too but but I, I think for me it felt like you had sort of I don't want to say transcended because I don't want to sell the band short in any way either but but there was this thing and maybe that's what it was always building up to I mean I, I know that's sort of always a weird thing to comprehend on yourself but when I talk about this icon status like you've got your heroes. I saw you, I saw the video of you on stage with uh, with Paramore and, and that feels like that was certainly part of it. Did you feel like that was sort of part of your profile? You know, I think I have a very difficult time accepting that I am a person in this industry. Number one, that I've been around as long as I have. And number two, that I, I mean, Haley Williams of Paramore is a really good friend of mine. And I met her when she was like 19. It was like right as crazy for you was coming out. And she's a person that I consistently go to when I'm feeling like horrible imposter syndrome or anxiety about whatever. And I messaged her recently and I was just like, I'm so like, I don't know what I'm doing. Da, da, da. And she like says to me, she's like, you're literally an icon. You created an entire sound. Like you are you are really, you were like the it girl of 2010. And I don't feel that way about myself when somebody, and when Haley Williams says it to me, I'm like, maybe it's true, <laughs> but you know, I have a difficult time. Um, I've always been pretty insecure in that way, but also I think I'm just, I'm humble. Like when people say that to me, I really am like, thank you so much. That means a lot to me, but I would never like walk around being like, hey, I'm the indie rock girl of 2010, you know? But I do think that like, I, I feel like the the pivot to make this record and to step out on my own and kind of start a whole new chapter of my career really just came from a place of like, I started to really feel like I had outgrown myself. And I that's not something that I necessarily expect other people to like understand because it's such a personal thing. 
but it really did start to feel like I was just like, I don't feel like this person anymore. And I need to go discover who I am now, knowing that like, I can always return to that place or that person, you know, persona, I think is probably a better word for it. Um, if and when I want to. So I feel really grateful to be even in a position where like my debut solo record gets time and attention because of the career that I've built for myself over, you know, almost 15 years. Cause most people like I've been doing so much press around this record and I keep thinking to myself, like you're a, you know, this is like, you're a technically a new artist. Like most new artists don't get to do this much stuff. So I am so grateful for sort of the thing that I've created for myself. And we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky in the Midwest and allergies. Yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice, it affects my mood, it affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's, there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now, and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the, the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you to get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Bethany Cosentino. You know, when we talk about personal growth and putting it out there in arts, in, in music, in a record like this. You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking a little bit about to one of our last interviews and, and maybe it was the last album, but at that moment in time, that was a part of the story as well. You know, mm -hmm. that was you and that was your growth in that moment. And it's hard to see what it is in the present. And then, you know, there's so much about, of course, hindsight that, that we can yeah. sort of bounce back from that. 
but I guess that's one of those things like, like not doubting you whatsoever, because I think it's very obvious in the lyrics that we're hearing here, but why is this difference than, than in the past when that was such a big part there other, you know, beyond the fact that you're older, time has passed. Well, I think that, you know, the, the real sort of, um, the birthplace of the idea to make this record really came after Always Tomorrow. You know, Always Tomorrow came out at the beginning of 2020. We were out on tour for two weeks and then COVID came and everything shut down. And we kept trying to like, be like, okay, we'll reschedule, we'll go do this. I'll do like, you know, solo Instagram live, whatever. And it just really started to feel like, I don't think I'm supposed to be doing this anymore. Like I'm a huge, I'm a huge, like, it's a sign kind of person. And I really do believe that everything happens for a reason. And I really just felt like the universe was sort of pushing me in a direction of like, you have a desire to expand as an artist. And I think that the the message of Always Tomorrow also really felt like it was me sort of doing a lot of soul searching in terms of the things that very much represented best coast which was you know unhealthy relationships um you know i was a bit of a partier there was like a lot of stuff that i was discovering about myself but it felt very tethered to the bethany of best coast and with this i really was intentional about looking at the world through kind of what i said in the beginning like through brand new eyes like the eyes of a person that's like this isn't best coast this is bethany and i don't even have to think about the past relationships. I don't have to think about the angst that I used to write about. Like, I don't have to think about that version of myself and my healing. I can think about being a totally different person. And I think that this record is also really like a commentary on the state of the world and the way in which I'm dealing with it. And I hope that it inspires other people to sort of like lean into the idea that like, yeah, everything around us is pretty messy and chaotic and it's very scary, but there's also so much magic and joy in the world. And if you just sort of walk through it with that, you know, it's important not to be like Pollyanna, but also like to just plug into those moments when and if possible. And I think that with Best Coast, even the last record, like, yeah, I was on a healing sort of spiritual journey, but like, I was still talking about being like, a super angsty, depressed person. And with this, it's like, I don't feel like that person anymore. And I don't know if it was maybe just the formula of what I did as Best Coast and the stories that I told was very tethered to that side of myself. Whereas this is very like, it doesn't even feel like the same thing. Yeah, yeah, and you've got great lines on it. I mean, uh, imagine if I handled this shit like I used to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's a perfect example. And that song was that song was inspired by like, something that I had seen on the internet that really pissed me off. And I was like, it, it was so, I had my phone in my hand and I was ready to like, just go off. And then I like really sat with myself and I was like, you know, who would have gone off on the internet is 25 year old Bethany. What does 35 year old Bethany want to do? She's going to pick up the acoustic guitar and she's going to sit and she's going to write a little song about evolution and how like, we don't, we don't go to that place anymore. You know? And I think that like, the record is obviously a lot, it is a self, I would say it's a coming of age self-discovery story, but I think it's the self-discovery story of like a woman in her mid thirties being like, what, what is the rest of my life going to look like, particularly with the landscape behind me of like, you know, political upheaval, 
police brutality, climate change, women's rights being stripped from them. Like there is so much noise going on in the background. And this was really me being like, how do I, and also love, you know, humanity as a whole, like, how do we make sense of these things? And really it's like, for me, it was about like exploring ideas of love. And that's like with Best Coast, I would have never been like, you know, I want to have a kid or I'm sitting in my car thinking about how easy it is. Like my partner just is so easy to love. And I feel so easy to love. Like best coast was always like, you know, like there was like a wall and I was like, you cannot come in. But with this, I was like, here you go. Here I am. We're going to be vulnerable as hell because what do we have to lose? Yeah. I mean, even seeing a song that you, a song with the title easy. Yeah. (laughs) There it is right there. When me and my wife first got together, I think that was a line we kept telling ourselves is because we'd gone through all the relationships that we all went through. Yeah. And I said, you know, it doesn't have to be hard. Mm -hmm. Like it can be easy. Like, you know, find the right person. It's just easy. Yeah. And, you know, I think that even like, I think also for me, I didn't really ever realize that because I would say that like my relationship is challenging because it's very real. So it's like, there is a lot of moments where I have to be extra vulnerable, where I have to like acknowledge that I messed up and I have to take accountability. My partner has to take accountability. All of my relationships in my twenties were very just like, they were chaotic and fueled by like, you know, all of the, you know, unhealthy stuff that I think most people go through in their twenties, but like, and that felt so hard to me. But when I look at that, I'm like, that actually was a walk in the park because it wasn't real. And while yes, it was unhealthy, it didn't require so much of me in the same way that this does. But even though this is challenging, it's like an easy challenging. I wrote in the liner notes, like a little, I love, like, I'm, I'm such a, I like, you know, I grew up buying records and CDs. And so when I do album packaging, I take it super seriously. And I'm still the person that wants to put all the lyrics and thank you notes and all this stuff. And I wrote a little message to my partner in there. Where I was like, you know, you really do make it easy even when it isn't. And I think that that is kind of like, what we all deserve in a partner is a person that we can be with who does make us feel good. But also when times are tough, you can still, it's not like they're gonna like, you know, call you a psycho and lock you out of the house which has happened to me before <laughs> my god that's in the rear view yeah exactly. oh and, and by the way thank you for for thank really seriously thank you for thinking about liner notes still um when i was a kid i was the one who cracked the cd package open pulled yeah. up book, and read it all these names that i wondered if i would ever even figure out who they were and now Earlier this year, I had to update my old used car with a newer old used car. Yeah. And my one rule was it needs to have a CD player because I oh, still yeah. enjoy that that version, you know? Yeah. Same. And I think too, it's like I, when I listen to music, even if I listen to a record on streaming, like I, I literally song by song, I go online and I Google the, the name of the song and the lyrics because I love to sit and listen to something and read what the person is saying. Like, I don't experience music in the way where on a first listen, like I am always just like, okay, I'm gonna listen to this album. Now I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna give it my time and attention. And I wanna see what these people are saying. And I never do shuffle. Like I wanna experience a record the way that an artist and a band wants you to experience it. And, you know, it it's a bummer that it's changed so much, but I do feel like people, there are still a lot of people that like, 
appreciate records, sure, which absolutely. I'm thankful for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it's funny because when I especially listen to you talking about other musicians, I wrote down, I was like, I don't know if I ever knew this, but you and I might be musical soulmates. Really? In a way that I don't hear other people because, listen, I love Counting Crows. They're one of my all-time favorite bands. The best. Recovering the Satellites <laughs> might be one of the greatest albums of all time. I've got it's Stipe so over funny. my shoulder here. Oh, I, see. I saw that. Yeah, you know, that's there. Cheryl Crow, who... I you got know, her been, over my shoulder. <laughs> yeah, who I've been so lucky to have. Like, she's one of my gurus, you know. It's yeah. like Liz Fair, the whole thing. And these are, like, when you talk about, especially about these artists in context of this album, and a lot of times, of course, we're talking about 90s musicians or their albums from that in the 2000s. Yeah. Like, what is it about, like, why did you want to lean into that, I guess, is is what I was getting at, because it really does feel like you leaned into that more than you ever have. Thank you. I think for me, it was really like, it was an energy, like it's an energy. I think when I listen to those classic albums and I listen to that type of music, for me, it's not just the songwriting, because I think the songwriting, people weren't right. I think it was also an era where people weren't writing songs to be a hit. They were just writing the song that they wanted to write. And it just so happened that like, you know, every day is a winding road is the most infectious melody you've ever heard. And you hear it at every grocery store and you're like, yeah, there it is. But that's just a testament to Sheryl Crow's master songwriting, you know? But I think also there's a real like palpable energy to those records. And that's the music that was on the radio when I was a kid. Like when I was a kid, you know, young, like in the car with my mom or my dad driving somewhere, like I heard REM on the radio. I heard Counting Crows on the radio. I heard the wallflowers on the radio. Like that is the music that really affected me when I first started paying attention to music. And I just felt like I wanted to make something that like my, you know, nine-year-old self would have heard on the radio as a kid and been like, turn this up. I love it. And I think Butch Walker, my producer, he is also a fan of all that stuff. And I made him this like master playlist of all of these references. And when he when he heard it, he was like, dude, I I wanted like I me personally as an artist, I've wanted to make this record all mm. of this time. Like you brought me the exact record that I've been wanting to make. Like these are all the references that I love, too. So we really got along so well. And I think that him, too, like he really agreed with me when it came to like, there's just an energy of that music and I wanted to try to like replicate it. And I feel like I succeeded. Like I, I feel, I, I do like, I, I'm not always the most confident person, but I feel like when I listen to this record, I'm like, yes, I did the exact thing that I wanted to do. And we'll be right back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Bethany Cosentino. Yeah, when I was listening to uh, to Calling All Angels, which, you know, has a little bit more of that Americana country vibe. Yeah. To, and remembering like the VH1 era, as we're talking about, <laughs> um, 
you know, there was still the, the word alternative was thrown around with a lot of these bands, but they were doing more of, you know, a, a twangier version, yeah. not exactly, you know, Wilco style, but not far off at that point. And it, it, like you really did hit that sweet spot because that's an interesting line to toe to still have that that version of alternative and that version of country at the same time, <laughs> you know? Thanks. I think also I wasn't thinking so much about what was cool because that's just not me. Like I'm not a person that's ever going to be like, oh, this is the cool new sound. I need to follow that. Like I'm always going to make the thing that I think is cool that I feel connected to. And I, you know, kind of similar to what I was just saying about those albums, like I wasn't like, of course I want my records to be successful and I want songs to do well, but I wasn't sitting there being like, is this gonna deliver on TikTok? It's just like, no, I was writing, I was writing music that like I wanna put on in my car with the windows down and listen to. And I also didn't want anything to feel, I wanted the record to feel like it had a lot of different colors and a lot of different sounds. And I think from song to song, it is like not every single song sounds the same. Like everything kind of has its own vibe. It comes from its own place. And I think a song like Calling All Angels for me was like, I really was like, I want to make like a 90s, my version of like a 90s country song. Mm -hmm. And again, I think I succeeded. <laughs> I'm becoming more and more confident by way of this interview. <laughs> I'm really glad I could be here for this on this <laughs> front row seat. Uh, when you have access to the type of friends that you have who might also be heroes, whether it's you got the Cheryl Crow behind you and, you know, Shirley Manson, I know that's a mutual friend. Yeah. And, and like, do do you reach out? Do you reach out for the, do you get guidance from them as well? Because because that's the fun moment of of having a career like this, I think. Yeah, you know, I I. I wouldn't say that I necessarily, there are certain people that I reach out to. There are definitely, I mean, Haley is a huge one, but I actually have next to my desk, I have a framed interaction, a Twitter interaction between me and Shirley, because I had posted something on Twitter where I had said like, you know, something about journaling, how journaling always kind of helps me like get all of the junk out of my head that is essentially my inner critic attacking me. And I said something where I was like, it's so wild how you can wake up one day and just be like, I'm a loser husband. No one likes me or cares about me. And then you journal for three minutes and you feel fine. And she like wrote back and was like, stop talking to yourself like that. Your words have power. And I was like, I'm trying. I'm literally looking at it. And she says, good girl, keep it up. What we say to ourselves has so much power. So stop saying that shit or else your Scottish mummy will be very cross. And I was like, I'm printing this shit out. I'm putting it next to my desk because it's such a good reminder. And also like Shirley is a great example. You know, Liz Fair is also a friend of mine. Like these women have been in this industry for so long and have gone through so much and existed in the nineties when everything was so misogynistic and they were just constantly being poked and prodded for like not being enough or being too much. And I think that like, it feels really nice to look at them and be like, you're still here. Like you made it through the fucking wilderness of all of this. And I feel really grateful to have people around me that will tweet at me and be like, don't talk about yourself or I'm going to come over there and I'm going to like, you know, like snap, slap you on the hand. <laughs> I mean, we're lucky to have these heroes. I think we're lucky to have the yeah. heroes that we did at the time that they, they came out, you know, and yeah, and I'm yeah. I'm really grateful too that my career has I have I mean I have really collaborated with 
the majority of, I mean, like Best Coast has opened for basically every band that meant the world to me in high school. Blink-182, Green Day, no doubt. Like Weezer, I wrote a song with Rivers Cuomo. Like I really do look back on my life and go like, damn, I, this is, this is a good, this is a good life. <laughs> you know what that means? That means you're an icon. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, you know, you, you you take all this out. How much of a hard line in the sand do you pull live now? I mean, are, are you keeping it mostly the new stuff? Do you bring the Best Coast songs along or do you say that's on a rest? You know, I, I, as I, I have a show in LA at the Troubadour in September and then I'm going to go do a show in Denver. Um, and that's kind of like where I'm at. I'm trying to figure out like touring and plans for the future and all of that. But, you know, I've thought about it and I don't feel, I think if I do any Best Coast stuff, I will do it totally solo on my own and just probably like play it acoustic or something. It doesn't feel right to me to get up and play a Best Coast song as a full band. Like Bob is such a, he's such an important piece of the Best Coast puzzle. And obviously like he is like family to me and I would never want to do anything where it's like, oh, Bob is replaceable because he's not. And he is super, super, super supportive of what I'm doing, which is so nice because I had so much anxiety about telling him like, hey, I feel ready to go do my own thing. And he literally just looked at me and was like, okay, like, why would I be mad at you for that? You know? And when I announced this, there were like a few bullshit tweets and things where people were like, how could you do this to Bob? And it's like, I just had to remember like, these people don't know the story and people always want to make drama out of something, but there is absolutely no drama at all. He and I are really brother and sister, but, and because of that too, like I really would feel like playing the songs without him in a full band capacity would be weird. So I think if I do it, I'll play them the way that they were written, which is just me on my own, you know? Plus you've uh, you, you've already shown us, you got an arsenal of covers, I think at your disposal. Yeah, thanks. I think that, you know, that's been a really exciting thing, like trying to figure out the songs of this era that kind of influenced this album and informed the sound and the energy. Like what of those songs could I cover? And that's a really exciting thing for me because I can't wait to like figure out the touchstones of what I can add to a set to sort of like bring it all together and give it some context. And isn't that exciting that you get to start over with that again, like from point A? Yeah, it is. It is. It's it's really, you know, and also the thing about this record is I think that I I sing on it in a way in which I've never sung before. And I think that a lot of that was I held myself back vocally with Best Coast I think with each record, it sort of progressed and got a little clearer and a little bit more obvious that I actually know how to sing very well. But I never really felt with Best Coast that I could like just come out and write a song that allowed me to like dip low, low, low into my range, high, high, high into my range. Like I just felt like the formula was what it was. And so with this, I'm so excited to get to like perform and just like sing because that is what I really at the end of the day, like I am a singer songwriter. I, you know, I play the guitar, but I don't consider myself to be like a great guitar player. I know enough to, you know, to accompany myself, but it just feels like it's going to be really exciting for me to like walk up to a mic and just be like, ah. <laughs> it, did I read it right? Like I had no clue that you were opera trained. Is that, is that true? Yeah. Yes. I took opera lessons in, I took opera lessons from the 
second grade to the fourth grade. So I was a kid, but I remember so much of the technique that I was taught and my opera teacher was the she was the coolest she looked like elvira she had like long black hair and she had like tattooed like lip lip liner and she had this tortoise that lived at her house and would just walk around the house like while we were doing up while i was doing my lessons um and she was like she was hardcore like she was if i would come in and i wouldn't have practiced like i would hear it from her so i really like and that's really the only so I took guitar lessons, piano lessons, all that stuff. But singing was like the one thing that I was like super, super invested in and really wanted to do. Um, but yeah, it is kind of funny to be like, I'm a opera. I was trained in opera as a kid, and like the first, my first ever album, you can barely hear my voice. <laughs> <laughs> like if my opera teacher heard that, she's probably like, "What? What is yeah. happening?" <laughs> I mean, that was the, that's the story of so many greats. You know, I referenced Stipe again. It, it was all, it was the mumble thing for the yeah. first albums, you know, and then, you know, whatever. But yeah, he he's... has one of the, he has, I think my favorite like male voice. Mm. His voice is so incredible. Yeah. So incredible. Well, yours sounds great. The songwriting on this record is so damn good. Thank um, you. I did laugh that, you know, <clears throat> you writing this a couple of years ago and thinking, about the world environmentally and now here we are as the record's coming out and it's literally the hottest summer ever like yeah i know i i've joked about this in many an interview over the years but i do think that i have a little bit of the power to know what's coming like i do feel like i have a little bit of like a psychic vibe or something but you know that and the song natural disaster is very much a commentary on the way in which we all just go about our lives while the world behind us sort of burns and i hope that the song you know being a bit of like a bop as the kids would say and having a catchy chorus and something you can move around to like i hope that it being digestible in that way will make people stop and listen and be like oh she's talking about the world literally ending and like how we as people like we pay attention to things that don't have anything to do with us but the actual things that have to do with us like we don't and it's like climate change is a product of humanity right and billionaires and corporations and all of these things but yeah i i I was excited about that one because i was excited about tackling like a big topic but sort of putting it in a way where people probably will just be like this is the sixth song and then when they listen they'll be like oh 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 yeah that's that's real (laughs) those are fun you pull back those layers and you're like well that's dark yeah i like doing that i like to do um a happy song with uh, intense lyrics (laughs) it's a good trick i hope your premonitions eventually start being positive that could be really helpful for us you know i hope so too it's 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 really it's really insane and i think all of us are probably living with you know horrible anxiety about what is to come and i just do my best i'm only one person and i'm not perfect but i do my best to sort of like do little things when and you know when and how i can and i really want to do some partnerships with this record with organizations climate change organizations that are helping you know to slow the roll of what's happening um but yeah i i hope that maybe one of these days i'll wake up and like my premonition will be that like all the horrible conservatives get blasted into space and they never come back <laughs> i'll let you know if that one i'm waiting for that me. song the moment i hear that song i'm gonna know that's it that's it that's it 
<laughs> maybe just build it and they will come you know I don't yeah know maybe it, yeah a manifestation song maybe i'll do that yeah try that out bethany is always so much fun to talk to you congratulations on this record thank you. thank you so much for taking the time to talk about it thank you so much i appreciate it my thanks to bethany cosentino again the uh, new album is called Natural Disaster. Uh, thanks to you for checking out the episode. Please do hit that subscribe button while you're hanging around. You enjoyed this. You might as well keep up with all the interviews that we put out every single week. New and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at Spotify and Apple Podcast at NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or again, anywhere you get your podcast from, you can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Now to that, head over to WFPK.org. You see, that's where I do a show Monday through Friday. It starts at 6 p.m. Eastern. You get the best in uh, classic songs of the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. You get the best in new music. Uh, of course, I have lots of music news. We celebrate big round anniversaries. Uh, bonus interviews as well. One of my recent shows had the music of, let's see, U2, Ike and Tina, Hyam, Liz Fair, Suzanne Vega, uh, Sister Nancy, Louise Post from Brook Assault, Radiohead, Tori Amos, Iggy Pop, Lucinda Williams, Gary Clark Jr., Killer Mike, Talk Talk, Everything But The Girl, Weezer, The Beastie Boys, Kay Young, Allison Russell, Cowboy Junkies, and more. That's just an example of what you can hear every weeknights at 6 p.m. at wfpk.org. Consequence has your music and film news. Of course, you can also find me on the social media spots, any of them that exist. The address is always the same, at Kyle Meredith. So I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Consequence Podcast Network. I feel like I've talked to you on like the last three or four records I've done, something like that. Time is, that makes no sense. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media.